several weeks ago, uh, is titled Winning the War Against Evil. And about an hour to go on this. Amen. <laughs> Thank you, Brother Ines, for encouraging me. <laughs> Amen. There is evil in the world. It's evil in the world. Father, we just ask that you, minister, give us ears, that Lord, that can hear, and uh, eyes that can see, hearts that can understand what you're saying, so that we can know how to walk, walk right before you in a way that is acceptable to you. In Jesus' name, amen. There is a serious battle going on. First, I should say, the greatest need that a man, any man, that's living on the earth has. Your greatest need is not a place to live. It's not a car to drive. It's not a great education. The greatest need that a human being has is to have a right standing before God. That's all we need. A right standing before God. If you have a right standing before God, and God is pleased with you, no matter what comes against you, it will fail. Because you have a right standing. That word is righteousness. Before God. That's, that's all you need. You want to make it in life? All you need is right standing before God. Righteousness before God. And the good news is you cannot obtain that on your own. It is a gift from God. Because we lost it when Adam and Eve sinned. And, and there is no way on that. No matter what you do on earth. Even if you dig your head in the sand no, <laughs> with your legs up, you cannot obtain righteousness. It's not, it's not something you can obtain on your own. It's not possible for any human being to obtain that on your own. That's why God sent his son to give us this one thing, this precious gift. And Jesus alluded to it when he said, for God so loved the world. That he gave his only begotten son. Now, giving his son is not for you to well, I have my son going with me. No, his son came to give us righteousness. Right standing before God. When you have that, God communes with you. He is there for you day in and day out. Everywhere you go, God is with you. That's why they called him Emmanuel. God with us. That's all we need. Righteousness. And so the battle that Christians have to fight, the war against evil, is the war that has to do with you obtaining and maintaining your right standing with God. Obtaining and maintaining your right standing with God. And there is a responsibility that you have to maintain that. Many are called, few are chosen. But well, the literal meaning is, few assume the responsibility. 
So the battle is to maintain, especially for those of us that have accepted Christ and you have received the righteousness of God, it's already a part of your life. What Satan wants to do is to move you from that place of right standing with, with God. And he does it two ways. The first way is both of them you really don't have control. God has to intervene. The first way is to use events in your life. Job had that. We talked about that. You know, the enemy said to, to God, if you touch his property and touch the things he owned, he'll curse you. Remember, he went, if you touch his flesh, those are things, Job had no control over those. And what was Satan wanting to do was to shift Job's mindset from that right standing with God to a place where he blames God and then sins against God and then loses the right standing. And once that happens, he's finished. So that's, that's what the enemy wants. That's the battle that we are in. Just to remove you from your place of right standing with God. And then the second one is the temptation that's in the flesh, you know. The desires of the flesh. Sin, we call that sin. That's, that's the thing. To tempt you to do what is right. Not for God to destroy you, but to remove you from your right standing with God. And once you're out of that place, you're exposed. It's not God is going to do something bad to you. Guess who is going to do something bad to you? The enemy. The edge is taken away. And he can come in. So this is where, why believers have to stay where God placed us. Right standing with God. Because God, when Job had that, God had an edge around Job. And Satan knew it. He says, there is an edge around this man and we can't touch him. But take that edge off without him sinning and see what he'll do. And God says, you can have it. So sometimes you're going through things and God allows it. The edge is taken off. Not because you've done something wrong, right? But the reason why that's happening is because God is giving you a test. He allowed the test because he trusts you enough. Don't fail him. Don't fail him. Whether it's temptation to sin, or it's something that's happened to you, something that came in the mail sometimes, or somebody that did something that upset you, it is. It's a test. That's why the Bible says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. The wiles there means tricks of the devil. I'm going back again to the message. Tricks of the devil. What? Tricks. Whatever is going on in your life, if it's not right, if it's not making you happy, you're a born again Christian, you have right standing with God, it seems real in the natural world, but it's a trick. From the enemy. That's what it is. And if you are not strong in the Lord, you won't recognize it. And we're not talking about physical strength, Samson, you know. <laughs> That's not it. That was in the flesh. 
The strength is wisdom in God to recognize it. And be able to say no and fight. That's the strength in the Lord. Why does Satan want to remove us from our place of righteousness? Our right standing with God? And lead you into something sometimes he's so clever. You, don't, you are not even aware that he is the one doing it. Because everything seems natural. If he comes up with a, comes in with a horn and, and with eyes blazing like fire, you recognize that's the devil, right? But he comes in in so natural ways, it's hard. Unless God is really at work in your life, you won't recognize it. And many Christians don't recognize it. Until sometimes almost too late. And they've gone through a lot of pain. And now they have to climb back up. So that's the thing. Why does he want to do this to us? Because there are so many benefits for the righteous. And he can stand that. You know, there was one man in Job's time that Satan couldn't stand. Job. The rest of them was nothing to him. I believe that if he went to sleep, he was thinking Job. He woke up thinking Job. That guy was a pain to him. <laughs> you know why? So much favor from God, right? I mean, when God told him everything, and, and you know, God was aware of it too. God was just Job, Job, Job. He couldn't stop himself from talking to, this, to the devil, his enemy, right? About Job. Have you considered Job my servant? i like God to do that for you in Jesus' name. Yes. Brag on you to the devil. Because Job had right standing. And he said because of that, he was blessed in every way. And the devil was jealous. And was seeking to remove him from that place. And that's what, you know, the devil, he's not changed. He cannot change. <laughs> he's the same devil. Constantly questioning the Say, did God say, are you sure? Are you not feeling this thing now? How could that be true? God said that, but you're still feeling it. So you must not be healed, right? So it's the same way because there's so much, we have so much benefits from God for the righteous. And if you are born again, you have, you are carrying so much on your life that is good. If you know it, you, this is how you'll be walking every day, smiling. Life, life is good. <laughs> it's just we don't know. Do you understand? We just don't know. So much benefit. In Psalm 37, verse 25, this is the word of God. I have been young. And now I'm old, the benefits of righteousness. Yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his descendants begging bread. If you are righteous, you will never be forsaken. If you stay in that place of righteousness, even though things may be happening in your life that makes you want to think that God has forsaken you, no, it's a trick from the devil. God has not forsaken you. He said, I have not seen the righteous forsaken. You can never be forsaken when you have right standing with God. It, it can never happen. If it happens, God lied. 
And you know we're all believers. God cannot lie. If you, that's where to go. To have right standing with God. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, don't waste your time out there. Come to God's side. And have right standing with God. It's so important. God will never forsake you. You know the psalm. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. What? I will fear no evil. Why? For thou art with me. He's always there. No matter what's going on. Even if it's really dark. He is there with you. The righteous will never be forsaken. No matter what's going on. Now, there may be difficult things, troubles, things happening. But you don't really understand what God is doing. And the thing is, he doesn't tell us. We'd like him to tell us. What are you doing? <laughs> Why am I going through this? He's working things behind the scene for your good. That's why the Bible says all things work together for good. To those who love God. To those who are called according to his purpose. He says his descendants will never beg bread. That's where you should have confidence for your children. Things may happen to their lives. And you want to analyze because we like to analyze and then we lean on our own understanding. And there may be negative things and we're thinking, if God was with me, how come? He has not chosen to tell you. The Bible says, the secret things belong to the Lord our God. The things that are revealed, they belong to us. Deuteronomy 29 verse 29. That's the key. If he doesn't want you to know, you don't have any business knowing. But you need to trust him. All things work together for good. Your descendants will not beg bread. After I found this scripture, I have real hope for my children. I told my children, I think I was talking to Omar or maybe Grace, and I said, when you all grow up, you won't be calling your brother, please send me some money, because you will have enough. And please don't forget your dad and mom. (laughs) Not kidding. (laughs) (laughs) They will always have. Because they will not, unless God is a liar. All we need to do, Angel and I, is stay in our right place with God. And those boys and the girl, girl, they won't beg. We'll be sending them and they will be sending back. Amen. Verse 39 says, but the salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. The salvation of the righteous. What is that saying? Does the righteous need salvation? Yes. Why? Because of trouble sometimes. And God is going to bring deliverance. He is their strength in the time of trouble. That's saying trouble will come. If you're righteous, expect troubles. They will come. But what the enemy meant for evil, God takes it. It's part of the ingredients. You know, understand? If it's not there, it won't taste very well. So God takes this stuff that doesn't taste well. He mixes it with other stuff. And when you finally eat, mmm, this is beautiful. Amen. But we despise those troubled times. We don't want to deal with those. But your salvation is in the Lord. And he is your strength. In the time of trouble. 
Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. He is your strength in the time of trouble. Just trust him. He will never forsake you. Psalm, 30, uh, Psalm 5 verse 12. It says, for you, O Lord, will bless the righteous. With favor, you will surround him as with a shield. When you are righteous, that's the benefit. That's why Satan wants us out. He wants to sow something in you to get you out of your place of right standing with God, where you are defiled. And once you get defiled, then your father is there like the father of the prodigal son. Still wants to bless you, but he can't reach you. Because you are in a faraway country. See? He blesses the righteous with favor. And surrounds them with favor as a shield. So everywhere you go, you carry favor. You carry favor. I don't have to manipulate people. To get favor from them, I don't need. I need him. Once I obtain favor from him, I got their favor as well. And now let me let you know this. Everybody will not like you. That's the truth. So just settle that in your heart. I know that. Everyone didn't like Jesus, right? And they still don't like him today. Now who are you? Everyone will not like you. But I like those who like me, okay? <laughs> and they will be. Amen. Don't bother about those who don't like me. All I need is Him. Try standing with God. In Psalm 34, verse 15, the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. Please let that soak into your spirit. That's saying God will never forsake you. You're going through a difficult time. His eyes are on you. They're always there. On you. His ears are open to their cry. I have experienced that too many times. When things bother me, I don't talk to people much. I leave my home. If I can't have room, I come in here. Oh, in those days, my wife would tell you, I'll leave the home, I'll go to a hotel and rent the hotel room and stay there for some days. But I have known God to answer prayer. Yes. And sometimes very specific prayer when I ask him. His ears are open to Jakarta. And that's not just for pastor. If you are a child of God and you are righteous before God, his ears are open. And I'm going to tell you, the Bible says, hear my cry, O God. Attend to my prayers. You know what that is? Attend to my prayers. You are giving it to him. He's taking care of it. You know? He's paying attention and he's working on what you prayed for. I believe that was Psalm 93. Attend to my prayers. God attends to the prayers of the righteous. That's what it means when they say, the Lord hears the righteous. He's attending to your prayer. Paying a lot of attention, making sure your prayers are answered. That's his job for the righteous. His ears are open to them. He says in verse 17, the righteous cry out and the Lord hears. 
and delivers them out of all their troubles. That says the righteous will cry sometimes because there will be trouble. Don't think it's strange when you come into diverse temptation. Is that not what the Bible says? Don't think it's strange. It's part of the Christian life. Don't think it's strange. The Bible actually says we should rejoice when we get, when we, we get into this thing. It's temptation. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him from all of them. He delivers him out of all of them. Psalm 72 verse 7, this is very important, and I want you to really hold on to this. Because he's talking about his days. We are living in the days of the Lord Jesus Christ, the New Testament days, right? New Testament, his days. He says, in his days, that's the days of the Lord, the righteous shall flourish. You know what that means? The righteous shall prosper, grow, increase. That's what God is saying. In the days of the Lord Jesus, the righteous, if you have a right standing with God, you certainly will flourish. Well, I'm not flourishing now. Well, that's your business now, kidding. (laughs) You will flourish. You will. If you believe it, it's coming. It's coming to you. And then he talks about abundance of peace. Look, until the moon is no more. Until the moon is no more. That means as long as I live. I wish, you know, somebody taught me this, but I'm glad I got my kids out, teach them this. I mean, until the end, we're flourishing. That's you. That's me. We're flourishing. Forget the past. Stay with God. There is a God, you know. There is a God. I believe that. And as long as I keep my heart right with God, He's going to be well with me. I don't, you, I don't have to look to anybody to make it happen. If you look into man, you, they'll fail you. But you have to look to God. He'll never fail you. Never. Psalm 146 verse 8. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord raises those who are bowed down. But this is the part that I like. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord loves the righteous. So righteousness is a key. It is the key to being great before the Lord. If you have that before God and you can't do that on your own, it's given to us. It is given to us. You can't, you, 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 don't, you don't have it on your own. But what the enemy does is to remove us. And the greatest trouble that takes Christians out of their right standing in God today. Two things that are very connected. Bitterness. Bitterness is what's destroying Christians today. If it's allowed to stay in their lives long enough, it generalizes. And they can't even tell when it started anymore. The greatest. 
The second one is like unto it. And this is even more dangerous. I'm giving you from my heart. This is very important. I learned this long ago. And try to maintain it. Those two things. These are the things that are... Christians don't go out and get drunk and do stuff. Very few times they do those things. They don't commit adultery and all of that. No. Why is God not working in the lives of Christians for the most part? This one thing. Bitterness. Bitterness. And unforgiveness. This is the, this is the thing that is destroying. This is the little fox that is destroying bitterness and unforgiveness. That's what's killing us. This thing is, is frightening. This thing can deliver you to demons of hell. Jesus said that. If you have to watch for anything as a Christian, watch out for this one thing. Bitterness and unforgiveness. The second one is even more dangerous. I will spell it this way. Taking offense for somebody else. I will explain. Have you known Christians come to tell you something about what somebody did to them? And you get mad? You are walking in dangerous territory when you get mad. They didn't sin against you. They will never come to plead for forgiveness from you. They didn't wrong you. But you're bitter. Against them. Guess what? He'll stay there. He'll stay there. And the other person will forgive because they will go back to that person. And I'm being very practical with you. They didn't sin against you. They know they sinned against this fellow. Then they go to the fellow and they say, please forgive me. I was wrong. Guess what? The person forgives. Right? But the one that has forgiven, who told you about what they did to them, right? He doesn't remember or she doesn't remember how many people she told or he told while he was bitter. And he's not coming to tell you he's wrong to ask for forgiveness. You're still angry. And you carry that. And you can't stay in church with that person. You see the person, how can he raise his hand worshiping the Lord after he has done this thing? Hypocrite. But he has been forgiven. You understand? You're judging the one that God has forgiven. You are in deep trouble. He's not going to come and ask you for forgiveness. He's happy, forgiven, because God has received him. And you're judging. Before you know you are way down, this is what's killing the church. Of receiving offense that don't belong to you. It's killing Christians. We need to move away from that. That's why God is having a hard time and people have no understanding of the things of God because your mind is clouded. That's why the Bible says, don't allow any root of bitterness springing up from among you. Defile many. And you know, the defile is never allowed to come into the presence of the Lord. Remember? Not giving your law is the truth. In the Old Testament, if you're defiled, you can't come into God's presence. If you're leprous, you can't come into God's presence, right? You're not allowed to come into the temple if you're leprous, right? Because they're defiled. If you come in, you defile the temple. In the New Testament, don't let this root of bitterness defile you. Takes you away from his presence. You don't have any rest standing in it. 
And before long, you'll be spewing all kinds of stuff. And everyone that hears you and receives, they get bitter. And it's spreading. That's why Paul said, don't allow this root of bitterness. You know, my pastors have a lot of difficulty. And you know, Angela and I were in this meeting. And pastors were, you know, we had heard pastors get depressed. And I'm saying, why would a pastor be depressed? We know. And one day Angela said, now I see why pastors are depressed. <laughs> because we went to this meeting and these pastors, I mean, it was amazing. It was a pastor's conference. And the man was preaching on forgiveness. And I why are you preaching to the choir? What's this? Why are you preaching to us about forgiveness? We preach to them about forgiveness, you know. <laughs> and then when he came for confession, these pastors were confessing things. Of forgiveness, of unforgiveness. And I, I was looking at Angela, you know, we were shocked. But before long, guess what was happening? People were being healed. Pastors were being healed all over the place. And some of them almost crying, walked up. This was O-R-O-U, you know. Or at Roberts University where all of the great pastors, Miles Monroe and all of those, they were all there. The big shots. And they were coming up to and confessing and crying. I was shocked. Because pastors pour so much into people, and sometimes you pour into people, and then they turn around, and it, it, maybe they say something, you hear it, and it's very painful. And it, they haven't learned to let go. I learned my lesson. I don't let those things grip me. I do what I have to do, move on. You know, the Bible has told us how to be free. And you need to practice. It's not the hearer of the word that's blessed. He's the doer of the word that's blessed. So once I know that and then something is going on, it's time to run to the sanctuary. And then here, praying. Jesus said, pray for your enemies. Amen. Have you prayed for those that have offended you? Maybe they are the ones holding your progress. They're the ones holding you back. You allowed them to hold you back. Now you are missing out on the grace of God upon your life. And you don't even understand the gospel. Because you don't know how to offer grace and forgiveness. See? And God said, Jesus said, now I'm going to allow, that's in Matthew 18, I'm going to allow everything that's been forgiven, I'm bringing them back to your life. Oh, when you are not forgiven by the Lord and the Lord is not pleased by you, pleased by what you're doing, pleased with you, and he puts everything as he's forgiven you before back on your life, well, you got no light. You still go to church and shake the preacher's hand, but you got no light. And you think you're getting revelation from the Lord. No, it's not God. You can't keep those things and receive things from the Lord. It's not possible. The key is to maintain a good conscience. Every other thing is secondary. God is my witness. I try by God's grace to maintain a good conscience. We are all men. And things can go up and down. But maintaining a good conscience. I, I, don't, I don't have to explain myself to anybody. I, I don't like it if I have to explain myself. I'll tell you why. Because once I have that good conscience with God, He's going to take care of it. I don't have to explain myself. I struggle. My job is to try to maintain a good conscience. 
so that God can walk with me. And that's so important. I'm going to give you a scripture. Please turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 18. And please help me put it on because that's the key to walking with God. I want to have a good conscience before Him. And you can't have bitterness in your heart. And and the Bible says if you have the bitterness in your heart, don't lie against the truth. And some people, they won't mention what's making them angry. They may go to some other thing. Bitterness is there. That's why the Bible says, don't allow this root of bitterness to come in. You got it? He says, this I charge... This charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage the good warfare. Please go to the next one. Verse 19. Having faith, and what? And a good conscience. With some having rejected, concerning faith, have what? Suffered shipwreck. Mm Mm-hmm. Good conscience. Good conscience. I don't receive one word from one person telling me something. I generally want to hear from the other person. Because when you do that, you're going to be making judgments you're wrong. I remove myself from what's going on until I find out all the facts. And let me tell you this. You don't have the right to have judgment on anybody unless God has given you that right. I will tell you, I will explain what that is. You see, the judge in the court, he's given the right to judge. See, if he judges you, you can't, God's not going to judge him for it. Do you understand? Unless God has given you the authority somehow to judge. A pastor has to judge what's going on in his church. He has to. He has that right. But it doesn't affect his personal life. But if you don't have the right to judge, you don't want to go there. Do you understand? You don't want to go there. But forgiveness must flow freely among us as believers. I can't second guess what's going on. I, I have to believe or if that's everything as well. Until you give me the opportunity or the privilege to see, well, maybe I'm wrong. Love believes all things. See? Love believes all things. This is the key. If you don't forgive before long, you will be acting wickedly before the Lord and he sees it. And sometimes you are not even aware that you're doing something bad. As you make sly comments out of bitterness to hurt. No one sees it, but he sees it. And really doesn't like it. I'm telling you this morning, if you have that in you, if there's any hindrance, that's possibly it. In my country, we are very good at catching witches. I'm suffering what I'm suffering because that fellow is the witch that is after me. No, you are the witch that's after your own life, I'm sorry. This is what I found. You know, in those days, as I was getting these lessons piece by piece, you know, I was wondering, what is this? Now I finally understand. This is a killer in the house of God. Somebody does something you don't like. Jesus said, go to them. Talk to them about it. And deal with it at that point. 
but carrying this thing and rehearsing it back and forth and talking you don't want to go there you don't want to go there maintain a good conscience because if you don't have if you don't add a good conscience to your faith your faith will not work and you will suffer shipwreck with regards to faith in God and I don't want that and you are not going to go there in Jesus name sin is dead amen sin is dead the Bible tells us this I believe it's Second Corinthians chapter 5 verse 21 he made him to be sin for us who knew no sin what did God make Jesus God made Jesus to be sin for us so when Jesus was hanging on the cross and God has made him sin for us guess who was dying on the cross as well sin 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 is dead and righteousness is born you can be righteous you can be righteous as far as God is concerned sin is taken care of unless you allow it sin is dead you don't have to sin every day you don't have to have a habit in your life that you can't help this thing I just can't help myself I've been at this altar and I've gone to this pastor the anointed pastors have prayed for me and, and I've fasted and prayed and it's, it's not working no that's not the truth uh, the reason is you don't know of the tricks of the devil sin is dead sin is dead and I'm going to close with this Romans 6 verse 18 it says, and having been set free from sin. Did the Bible say that? That you have been set free from sin? Is that true? Will God lie? Well, that's the truth. God set you free from sin. So stop saying you can't have this. And we sin every day. Now, I'm not saying we cannot sin, but that's not you. Because the Bible says this, if any man be in Christ, is what? He's a new creation. You are a different kind of being that sin cannot get a hold on. That he's not gonna, he's gonna try to lash on you. But if you are light, you'll stay. But all you need to do is, hey, get off me. <laughs> you can't stay on me. I don't want you. Huh? You're free. God has freed you. This is the gospel. God has freed us from sin. You shouldn't be afraid of sin because sin died when Jesus died on the cross. Sin died on that day. And now we have been set free because our old master's sin has been buried, right? So we're free. I'm free. Free. That's what we should be saying. We're free. Now we have a new master. What's the name of our new master? It's called righteousness. How many believe righteousness is your master? Your master. Well, righteousness is your master. Won't you greet your master when you wake up in the morning? Won't you have to say, 
good morning master, right? <laughs> well, tell your master, your new master, good morning. I, I love this new master. Amen. Amen. And tell him stories about your old master. He used to really punish me, you know. He used to make things very difficult for me, man. He was a horrible master. He make me do something and then accuse me of doing it and beat me. You know? Tell your new master about this old master. And when your new old master comes and says, well, let's go do this. He says, well, I can't serve you. He wasn't pleasant when I used to serve you. I got a new master right now. Seems simplistic, but that's the truth. And you shall know the truth. And the truth will make you free. It's the truth that makes If you receive the truth, that sin doesn't have dominion. Now you have to work out your salvation Every little thing as the enemy comes at you and discern from the word of God what's the right thing to do. Bow your heads with me. If you have not come to the side of truth, today is the day to make that decision. And what that means is to go quickly to the Lord. And receive him as your new master, righteousness. But also, I would like those that will make a true commitment. I spoke about bitterness this morning. We're not pointing fingers at anybody. But let me put it this way. If you make, I want you to make a commitment to God. You will not allow that in your life. You will maintain a good conscience. Those of us that want to do that before the Lord, you are making a commitment to the Lord. Would you stand up, please? It's not good to be easily offended. We, we are human beings, but when you get offended, immediately start dealing with it because you shouldn't let it take over your life. That may be the reason why things are happening in your life. But you're willing to give forgiveness this morning. Are you willing to give forgiveness? Are you willing to turn everything to the Lord? And be above that, make a commitment. I will guard against this area in my life. I'm telling you by the grace of God, this is something I practice very well. I, once I know there is a problem, I'm praying for that person. And I'm blessing the person I do that until I'm very comfortable. I can look the person straight in the eye. You understand what I'm saying? And I know what's happened. It's not changed. I don't have the feeling. I don't like to be reminded about that. It's gone. You understand what I'm saying? Let's move on. Can you say that? Let's move on. Let's move on. You're my brother. You are my sister. I love you. And I know you are commanded to love me. You got no choice. So (laughs) let's move on. Let's move on with our God. Amen? That's what we want to do. Would you lift your hands up to the Lord today and tell him that you are making a commitment before God to let bygones be bygones. I don't care how long it's been. I don't care how long somebody's offended you. You know it. You know it. It's there. But tell the Lord, I'm releasing this prisoner today. I'm not going to hold this thing against this person anymore. I'm going to walk up to them and tell them I love them. And even if they don't want to receive me, 
I'm free, I'm free. That's what you're saying. God will turn them. This is your day. Father, I bless your people today. In the name of Jesus. We're free. We're free. We hold nothing. We're free. Love. As you have commanded us to love. We're free to share. As you have commanded us to share. To walk with a good heart. And a good conscience. Lord, we commit ourselves to you today. To maintain a good conscience. To think evil of no man. But to come up with good excuses for them. Until we know otherwise. We stay on the side of good. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now I'd like you to turn around and shake three hands. And hug three necks.